Sachim, Berak Zayin, Mishnah Beis, 7, 2, and more on the roasting of the Korban Pesach. The Mishnah says, Ein solen Pesach, one may not roast his Korban Pesach, lo al hashapud, neither by using a metal spit. The word metal doesn't appear in our Mishnah, but that's a shot here. And we actually had mentioned this in the previous Mishnah, based on the Bar But the concern is that if you have a metal spit that's running through the animal, so the metal gets heated up, which will cause the inside of the animal to get cooked by virtue of the hot metal, as opposed to direct exposure to the flame. And the requirement is fire roasted, not indirect through some metal that would cook it. Velo ala askala. And nor can you roast it on some kind of some kind of like griddle. We have like the fire heating up the griddle the tray, and then the tray getting hot and cooking the animal. Again, the reason why is because we need fire heat, not indirect fire through the metal. Amr Tzadok, Reb Tzadok said, Ma'ase, it once happened, Rabban Gamliel, Sh'amr Tavi Avdo, that Rabban Gamliel, who was the Nasi, said to Tavi, that's his famous servant, Tzei utzle lano es pesach al ha'askala, go out and roast for us a Korban Pesach, our Korban Pesach, on um, an askala, on a griddle. Now, the problem with this is that you have what's called a masa listor, a story which contradicts the principle laid down by the Mishnah, and the Mishnah never does that. In other words, the principle of the Mishnah in the first sentence was, you may not use an askla, no roasting your korban pesach on a griddle. Then we said, once upon a time it happened, the Ramagamil did have his korban pesach roasted on a griddle, which is in contradiction to the principle, called a masa listor, and the Mishnah doesn't do that. And therefore the Gemara says, there's a there's some missing words here, and the case is that this was a special kind of, uh, I don't know how to describe it exactly, like a, some sort of um, grill where there are, very, according to Rashi, very large gaps um, on the grill, so large, in fact, that an entire corp would pass through it. So it's, it's very sparsely um, divided, and you've got basically mostly just an open fire. The Bartonara makes no mention of Rashi's very large holes, um, but certainly there were very large holes there, at least... Um, very large, or maybe even so large there's no direct contact at all um, with the meat of the Korban Pesach and this Askala, because then perhaps that would be, again, metal as opposed to fire cooking the Korban, which is disallowed. Okay, so the exact picture here is, is sort of eludes me. I'm not perfectly sure how it looks, um, but that's that's the case. Now, the next part of the Mishnah here, the second part, is in the Bavli divided to a new Mishnah altogether. It's a new point here, and we're going to talk. Th- this Mishnah is very important for the halachas of what we call Makashras. It's not our topic really in our Mishnah here, um, but whenever you've got a kitchen where things are cooking and you have not kosher food, iser, that gets somehow mixed into your kosher food, your heter, so then you have to be concerned how to get, how to remove the iser to make the heter permissible. So in our case here, we have a Korban Pesach that's roasting, and it's going to be drip. It's going to be getting cooked in a way other than open fire, either by direct contact with, say, the surface of the oven, or maybe some um, juices will drip out of the Korban Pesach, then get roasted um, by the surface of the oven, let's say, and then fall back onto the Korban Pesach. In those kind of scenarios, you're going to have a mixture of permitted Korban Pesach with either some meat that was roasted by direct heat of the oven surface or with liquid that was cooked by the oven surface, which is forbidden, getting mixed back in the Gorm Pesach. So these are scenarios which are would be analogous to what goes wrong in the kitchen and would be very relevant, therefore these are very relevant Mishnah as um, a source text for how kashras works, if you will. But that's not really our topic here. Our Mishnah is just focused on what you do if part of your Gorm Pesach 
didn't fulfill the requirement of being tzle'esh, roasted over open fire, <coughs> excuse me, how do you fix that? So the Mishnah says, Naga becharso shel tanor. If the korban Pesach, while you're roasting it, if it touches the surface of the oven, the actual cheres, the earthenware clay oven. So that means that the hot clay oven is going to sort of like fry a layer of, or char a layer on the outside of the korban Pesach, and that little layer will be, have been cooked by the surface of the oven and not by open flame. So that's going to make that little bit forbidden. So what do you do? Yiklof es mukomo. You peel off the part that got cooked by the direct contact with the oven. A klipa is a very thin layer of something. Think of like an onion's layers. So the general principle is if you have something dry touching something um, dry, so then it just goes, the forbidden part just permeates to one very thin layer worth, the kadei klipa, a layer, thin layer amount. And therefore, one just cuts off a very thin layer of what was was forbidden because it was cooked by direct surface touching the oven, and the rest of corn paste is permitted. So that's what it says here. Yiklof. Yiklof is a verb, like klipa, to peel off a layer. Es makomo, the place that touched the oven. That's the first case. The second case is nataf meiratvo al hacheres. A bit of the rotev, the juices that are dripping from the corn paste roasting over the spit, drip falls from the animal onto the direct clay surface of the oven, and then it gets fried by the oven surface. So now the liquid is forbidden because it wasn't cooked by a fire, it was cooked by the surface of the oven. And then it fall, let's say it drips further down and somehow manages to fall back onto the corn pesach, which is roasting on the spit. So now you have some forbidden liquid that's gone mixed into and presumably permeated into your carbon pesach. So now what do you do? That is inserts forbidden to eat that liquid, which is cooked by direct contact with the with the oven, but the rest of the corn pesach is permitted, so how much you have to remove? Yitl es mokomo, you remove the place that it fell. Now, what does that mean? How much you remove? So the bartender speaks out, and this is the halacha. If it's something that's oily, and the oil sort of like, um, you know, which is true in case of juices from animal, those, that's, those are fats that are dripping off. So it permeates in etzba to the thickness of a finger, like a centimeter or so. Um, so therefore, when you cut it off, you can't just cut out like the thin klipa, thin outer layer. You have to cut off an entire etzba amount and an entire finger's thickness of where it fell to make sure you've got all the forbidden liquid that might have permeated into some of the meat out of the Korn Pesach. Now, the last case is that for whatever reason, at the bottom of your oven, where you're roasting this Korn Pesach, you have flour, like, you know, flour that you eat that's sitting there and kind of frying for some reason. I don't know the reason why, but you have it at the bottom of the oven and you're intending to have this sort of, whatever it is, this fried flour, and then some liquid drips from your corn pesach onto the flour. Essentially, then the flour does the frying. So that means that the flour which you pl- we're planning on eating now has some drippings of corn pesach oils, let's say, um, which are forbidden. So that's re- if you want to eat the flour, you have to remove the forbidden part, which is the, the liquid. How much you take then? Nataf, and this is not an issue of chametz. Okay, we're not concerned about chametz here. This is something totally else. This is just removing the forbidden things, not chametz. The forbidden thing is the liquid that dripped from the corn pesach, which was fried by the flour. So what do you do? Nataf meiratbo alasolas. If some of the juices from the corn pesach drip out onto the flour at the bottom of the oven, yikmots 
es mukomo, you remove like a handful of the flour. A kamitza is like um, it's a like a fistful, a three fingers amount, whatever. It's hard to if you know what it is, good. If not, it's hard to describe exactly. Like you basically scoop out with your fingers, um, a fistful, I'll call it, of flour. The idea being, this is even more than simply like a kadeetz, but a fingers amount, because you're taking not just the place where the Rotev that liquid dripped, but also some of the dry flour around it. It all has to be removed to make sure that you have 100% kosher flour for consumption.